Lorenzo Insigne is making a blockbuster move to Toronto FC. The FA Cup third round was absolutely crazy, and Roma versus Juventus was a tire fire of a game that we all loved. We talk about all of this and more on today's episode. Thank you so much for downloading. If you appreciate this episode, please give us a rating or a review on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on. It means a lot to us. We do this for free. It would brighten our days so much. All right, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It's Monday. It's our news and predictions episode. My name is AJ Tabura. I am one of your co-hosts, a fan of Minnesota United, West Ham United, which went well today, and the U.S. national teams. And I'm joined by a man who loves Nottingham Forest just as much as he loves the fact that Lukaku is back with Chelsea. Jack, Jack, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm not necessarily a Nottingham Forest fan, but I have a jersey, and I think it's funny because it's one of two jerseys that I brought with me from my from my apartment for the holiday break. So uh, I think it's just funny that I happen to have it on a great day for Nottingham Forest. Uh, but I'm a fan of Chelsea. Went very well yesterday. Atlanta, fantastic game today for them. And of course, of Minnesota United and the U.S. and French national teams. Uh, just as I mentioned, just an update from last week's story that we covered. Lukaku is back with a Chelsea now. Jack, how does that feel now that he's uh, back contributing to the team? It's good. He, he got a goal as well uh, against Chesterfield, big, big opponent, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, he, he's ready to score against Manchester City. He's going to score a hat trick. Calling it. It's going to happen. Oh. Yeah, hopefully for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So in this episode, we don't just talk about Lukaku, even though I'm sure uh, some Chelsea fans would love for that to happen. Uh, but we talk about news stories and predictions of games from all over the globe, whether it be here in America to, to the European leagues, talk about the biggest stories on and off the field. And so that's what we're going to do. We have a, a series of stories from uh, Insigne moving to Toronto FC to Syria to the FA Cup. We have a lot of great, crazy stories to cover. So definitely stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show in order to get the full, the full news stories as they happen. But now let, let's jump into some, Jack. Starting off with a, a, a real quick story that you put on here, and I, I'm very interested to hear more about it. it. It's from a place that we don't really talk a lot about, at least not on this show, China. So, Jack, why don't you talk about this a little bit? Yeah, well, the Chinese League has been in the news lately because of a controversial rule that they've implemented that right. players have to cover up all existing tattoos or get them removed uh, or not be able to play, which is very strange. Not really, because, you know, that that's that's kind of how the Chinese government rolls on some of these things. Sure. But, uh, still, what I want to focus on instead is Shandong Taishan. I think I pronounced that right. Probably didn't. Uh, they've won the Chinese Cup today over Shanghai Port, uh, who have who are a very strong team, got a former Chelsea player on there in Oscar. Uh, but it was a late 82nd minute goal from their center back Jadson, which got them the win. And fun fact. Shandong Taishan, captained by former Manchester United player Marouan Fellaini. So that's wow. where he's ended up after Manchester United. So congrats to uh, to that team on their win. So, uh, you know, we, we don't really talk about uh, the Chinese Super League all that often, but I thought since that's a pretty big story, we might as well shout him out on there. 
Yeah, apparently uh, they won the Chinese Super League too. So I, yep. I guess uh, they got they got the domestic double under their belt. So you know, hey, good for them. Good for them. Uh, let's go on to another story. Uh, I'm glad we talked about China. You know, I, I think it's good to talk about all these different leagues. So let's talk about another league that I think in the greater media, uh, you know, world in terms of soccer doesn't get talked about enough, which is MLS, particularly a very big player moving to Toronto FC. I'm talking about Lorenzo Insigne of Napoli, 30 year old winger from Naples, Italy, is moving from that club, Napoli, where he spent the last 15 years of his career. And he's moving from his beloved club to MLS's Toronto FC on a four-year contract. Going over who he is, I mean, his reputation precedes him. He's been a key part of Napoli, scoring 19 goals and eight assists last season, and four and four this season. And he's a key part of the Italian national team as well, starting in the final in the Euros last season, which Italy obviously ultimately won. He's in his prime, which probably makes this entire uh, saga, transfer saga, so very interesting and kind of a watershed moment for MLS. He's in the top 6% for shot creating actions, top 1% in shots per 90, and top 8% of progressive passes and carries per 90 for all wingers in the top five European leagues. So he's no slouch, and that might be a gross, gross understatement. Only 30, maybe, I think it'll be 31 when uh, he actually joins Toronto FC, which will be at the conclusion of the Serie A season. So, Jack, Lorenzo Insigne to Toronto FC. What are your initial thoughts? Because we covered this a little bit ago, but now it's officially official. So I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, well, it's a big signing for sure. You know, Toronto FC have a bit of a reputation for acquiring some uh, attacking Italians in, uh, yeah, in their prime. True. You know, they've got a little bit of experience with that. And I think it's awesome because it does show MLS is becoming a bigger league that's desired by superstars, but uh, also does a lot for the media presence as well. You know, mm -hmm. there's been I, I, I think there's arguably been more coverage of MLS uh, in, in like the past two weeks with this transfer than there than there was in like the, the last two months before that. So, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. So it, it is kind of cool to see that happening. Uh, I think it's a huge transfer. It will be interesting to see how it affects Toronto because I think his contract, I, I saw something on this, the rumored numbers place him above like half of the teams in MLS is like for entire salary, yeah. which is in, insane. But you, you, then you remember that Toronto FC is owned by a massive, massive, uh, uh, ownership group that owns a ton of other teams you know, and it's a pretty small number compared to what they they have in total. So it's cool to see, you know, uh, Toronto FC gets uh, get some love there. And I, I'm excited to see what he does in the league because he, he is a very good player. Yeah, I mean, he, he is again an another understatement. This yeah. is to, to me, this is kind of an unprecedented signing. So I, I wanted to ask you, like in terms of the other designated players, like uh, I'd say Zlatan who was a really big name when he came over, Rooney as well, Beckham, who started the entire designated player era in MLS, to even Giovinco, who's the person that you were alluding to when you talked about uh, short Italians. He's actually the same height as Lorenzo Insigne, I believe, either 5'4 or 5'5, Italian as well. So, you know, 
some pedigree there to live up to in terms of MLS output. But how does this compare? How does this transfer compare to those acquisitions of years past, do you think? I think there's two different lenses that you look at this from. There's like a media lens, right? Where mm-hmm. this, I, I feel like this one in terms of how the media is, is, uh, is and general public receives it is lower profile than like Beckham, uh, for example. Uh-huh. Right. You know, because Beckham, I think, is, is, as a footballer, is just a bigger name to more people in the general public than mm-hmm. Lorenzo Insigne, right? Uh, that, that doesn't mean he, like, Beckham is infinitely better than Insigne in every way or whatever, but I'm just right. saying that that's one way to look at it. Like, same with Zlatan, similar idea. Uh, but I think in terms of, like, the player that they're getting and the time they're getting him at, this is the biggest transfer. You know, like, if you, if you look at it without that public perception, like, who's the big name, right? This is the biggest transfer of Zlatan, Rooney, Beckham, Giovinco. Giovinco, great player at the time, was playing for the Italian national team. But you have to remember that, like, right, 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 uh, right before he uh, he he transfers here, you know, that Italy make it to the final of Euro 2012. Uh, they yeah. get battered by Spain, and uh, you know he he he's a good player at this point, but. You know, Lorenzo Insigne is coming off the season of his entire career, arguably. Right. Right. So that that's what makes this an even bigger deal, I think. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I hope it doesn't play out like Giovinco's international career did. Right. Uh, although I do remember uh, or not remember because I wasn't really following MLS at the time. But <laughs> uh, in in 2018, after Italy failed to qualify for the World Cup, Giovinco's agent as quoted as saying, well, you should have called him up then. And yeah. uh, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting because I think Insigne is arguably a more important player to Italy uh, at this time than Giovinco was for Italy mm-hmm. at that time. So I, I think I've rambled for long enough, but I, I think that this Not is yeah. a pretty big deal of a transfer. Yeah. And, and that point of like him still being a very important part of the Italian team, because when you look at Giovinco, First of all, Giovinco, one of the greatest, for my money, greatest MLS players of all time. Like, when I really fell in love with Minnesota United in MLS and really got into MLS, that is just a, that was just a couple years before he joined. So I was, like, full-on MLS fandom when Giovinco joined. And even I can understand that Giovinco was not the same player in terms of pedigree as Insigne is. Because Insigne is a key player for Italy. Giovinco... Yeah, he got called up for, you know, some of the qualifications, some friendlies, but it just wasn't at the same level as Lorenzo is right now. And to me, given that and given the other things about him, I think this is really an unprecedented move. No other player has both the reputation and talent to the same level as he has. Like you said, is he the, as big of a name as, say, Zlatan? No. Zlatan's first goal for LA Galaxy is still by far MLS's most viewed YouTube video. Has he achieved something very, uh, you know, you know, admirable in MLS like Giovinco has? Not yet. But he instantly, on arrival in July, becomes the biggest current name in MLS. Because Vela, you know, Martinez, they're good. They're good. But they don't have that name power as someone who literally just won the European Championship. And he also comes in and automatically becomes objectively the best player in the league. He's a name who people who 
follow soccer will know, maybe not a household name like Zlatan, but going to a city with one of the biggest Italian populations outside of Italy is going to be huge. And it's not just Jersey Shore Italian where you know, they say they're Italian, probably can't even point out Italy on a map, like real first gen <laughs> Italians live in Toronto. No offense to Jersey. Well, you know, whatever. Red Bulls are bad, whatever. But BMO Field will be bumping because of, of this signing. And the, the, the marketability, the media presence on the, in that uh, stadium for that team, for this league, is going to be huge. So, you know, talking about marketing a little bit more, I know you talked about it uh, a, a little bit, Jack, but just how big is this in terms of growing this league, in terms of getting eyeballs on the product in your mind? I think I think it's pretty big. You know, you can get a lot more. Uh, I, th- I think you might get a lot more people watching MLS abroad, you know, uh, like uh, there, there's there's been a few signings in the past that have gotten a few more players abroad watching MLS. But I, th- I think this one's pretty up there in, in, ter- in right. terms of that, because most people in Europe or most European soccer fans, not most people necessarily, but most European soccer fans know who Lorenzo Insigne is because most most of those European fans would have watched the Euros and a lot of them know a little bit about Serie A. And I, I think that you could market MLS as like more of a worldwide thing, more so than like any other transfer. And like, you know, the, the joke has been for a long time. Oh, MLS is a retirement league where yeah. all the washed up European players go now that they're now that they're done playing. Right. But you can't really say that with Insigne because he's going to be 31 pretty much still in his prime mm-hmm. uh i i mean like zlatan you could you could say that even though he's still scoring for ac milan or right. missing penalties for that matter <laughs> uh but still playing for for ac milan but you know i i i think that you're that you're you're getting so much marketability with this transfer and even like um i i'm, I'm not sure how much it, it improves marketability in like the u.s because I'm not sure if a ton of like general sports fans in the U.S. are like, oh, yeah, that's a big name, Lorenzo Insigne, right? Like uh, it, it's it's always the if, if like it, it's not on the same level as like Messi or Ronaldo or like everyone right. know everyone at least has heard those names before. Right. Like uh, but it, it is still pretty big and can get a lot of people excited about this. Yeah. At the same time, I, I think it might not get like general sports fans like if i walk into like buffalo wild wings right now <laughs> right like, right hey put on the toronto fc game they're still gonna like you know kick me out or whatever but I, I feel like for you know even some of our friends who aren't into mls but are into soccer this might be the thing that pushes them into believing that mls is a serious league because even true. though like you said for a long time mls has not been a retirement league we've been selling off good young players we've been buying a bunch of the newcomers we've been developing some of the superstars some of the real good role players for uh for worldwide teams like Bayern Munich it's just a matter of can we actually get people to watch the game and realize that that's the fact and I, I think this does get people watching MLS and if we can get Insigne on the field get people's eyeballs on that product and impress them with, oh, wow, this is actually not as bad as I, I thought it would be. This is actually pretty enjoyable. That's going to be huge in terms of marketability. And going on beyond just marketability, I think this is going to be huge to the league in terms of 
player acquisition. Like this can be the start of an arms race in MLS to target big name Europeans. And I'm again not talking about like the 33 plus year olds. I'm talking about like real bona fide stars. Like Jack, imagine for a second Raheem Sterling moves to Atlanta in two years' time. Oh my like, god! Like that's the type of level. Is he a superstar? I don't know. But like when, when I think about like another player of Insigne's like uh reputation i think of people like raheem sterling moving literally in his prime and this is kind of inspired me to like really think about where mls is and how it can improve and <laughs> looking on twitter and i tweeted about this last night i i kept on seeing tweets and read a post about europeans freaking out that like he was like phoning it in like he's like wasting his talent by coming into mls Jack, what do you think about Europeans who are calling for him to like get dropped by the Italian national team because he's moving to like a, like a cakewalk of a league? Uh, it's not what you think it is. I mean, remember Higuain? Remember yeah. how he's like, oh, I can play with a cigarette in my mouth and oh then scored gosh. one goal in his first in his first year uh, in MLS. Yeah. Remember Chicharito? Yeah, like, exactly. He's I mean, now he's doing well. But yeah, before that first season, though, bad. yeah, pretty bad. Uh, so I, I think I think you've got to give the league a little bit more respect. Like we're, we're MLS is less of a farmers league than most of the European leagues like Premier That's League. True. Man City won the Premier League title the last three or four years. Right. Uh, potentially that four or five years after this season, uh, you've got, you, you know, the Bundesliga Bayern wins it all the time. League on PSG wins it all the time. Serie A, I mean, typically Juventus wins it. Uh, and then, but MLS, so many different winners. I, a, a lot more than any other, any other league can claim to right. have in recent years. So uh, I, I think, you know, MLS is exciting. It's improved a lot since like the David Beckham days, like mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, is it up to the level of those top five leagues? No, but I no. think it's more on par with some of the lower European leagues as well, and potentially above some of them. Like, yeah. I, I, I'd say the level is honestly pretty close to some of the mid-table teams in the EFL championship. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say, say so. I'd say that's about where MLS is. Like, it, it's pretty, it's not, it's definitely not Premier League quality, but mm-hmm. could, they, could they theoretically beat a Premier League team if, like, everything went right? Yeah, they could. Yeah, and, and, and they get like four points for the season. But, you know, the, the point remains, this MLS league in its current form is still a very, very good league that deserves some amount of respect. Like you said, is it the best league? No. But is it still a challenge for a lot of players? Yes, of course it is. It, it's, it's not like you can come in and play with a cigarette in your mouth. You're going to get destroyed because the travel is such a big deal. The, the varying weather conditions, such a big deal. The physicality, especially when you're a star player and American defenders want to prove that they're they won't get walked over and just like hack at you. You know, that's something that people struggle with. Like this, he's not going to look like Messi playing against toddlers. He's not going to automatically have a 25 goal season like via Nani's Laton. They were all pretty good. But then for every one of those players, you have the likes of Lampard, Higuain, Chicharito, uh, Steven Gerrard that struggled playing the game here because there were motivation issues, because there were issues adapting to the new league, that, that's not easy. And I don't think that he should be dropped by the Italian team, because 
you know, we, we have this conversation all the time for the U.S. men's national team Twitter, where even if you're playing in a bad league, if you're just consistently still contributing to your club and contributing at a national team level, then I, I don't see any reason why you should get dropped. If he's going to be scoring three goals in three games for the Italian national team in qualification during their their playoff process, if he's going to be, you know, bagging goals in, I don't see why he can't make the World Cup at all. Right. Like it, it, it's so stupid to me to even to, to even like really think about that. Well, I can think of one reason why you wouldn't get called up for the World Cup. Why? But well, if Italy don't qualify. So. That, 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 that's true. That is true. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing about that, Jack, is I saw a tweet just before we started recording where someone was saying, uh, oh, we have one of our starting left wingers play for MLS and we're wondering why we don't make the World Cup. And I really wanted to say, like, hey, man, there are, you know, some some national teams have players that play for MLS teams and they made the World Cup. Maybe the issue is in MLS. Maybe it's a uh, maybe, maybe it's your federation, bro. <laughs> That's what I really wanted to say. Maybe just maybe, maybe. you know, there, there, there's a lot of great players in MLS. Some sounds like some people are just salty. Not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a zero sum game just because he moves to MLS doesn't mean European football falls apart uh yeah. but it, it it does mean that toronto fc is uh building something good so jack before we move on to our next news story i want to ask you does this signing make toronto fc contenders now they finished 26th in mls overall last season very very terrible close to the bottom in years past however just the year before that they finished second place in the east and have made it to mls cup at least two times in the past six or so years, winning it once. So, Jack, will they be contenders? Not necessarily. And I say that because, you know, this this helps a lot of their offensive issues. But a lot of their issues were with their defense and the fact that, like, you know, if you want to talk about retirement league, I mean, the, the main issue with Toronto FC was their Old. back line needed... Uh, needed some walkers out on the pitch. Uh, so <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that, that's the main issue that they had. So... I if if they get some more defenders as well, then yes, really strong contenders. But until they fix that as well as the as the issues up front, I I wouldn't go as far to say as, you know, they are automatic contenders. Yeah, he no player in in, in this entire sport can single handedly carry a team to a championship. Right. Even exactly. someone who as good as Insigne in a league like MLS. Bill Manning, the president of Toronto, and MLSC, their owners, are spenders. Ambition is huge. They've been at the top of the salary rankings in MLS for years. They do have to get rid of one of Altidore and Soteldo to make room for him. But him plus Pozuelo will be huge. But like I said, it's a team's game. They got rid of uh, one of their defenders, Larea. A lot of their defenders are now retired, like Justin Morrow and Omar Gonzalez. Well, Gonzalez moved to another team. So they don't have a lot of really good defenders now because, well, they just didn't have a lot to begin with. So it's going to be interesting to see how they invest before uh, the season starts to really get their defense to a level that needs to be there to compete uh, for MLS Cup. Because, again, we're looking at a Ferrari up front, you know, a little Italy uh, reference there. Nice, nice. And uh, a go-kart in the back. It, it, it's, it's just not going to work there. So, Jack, anything else to say about Lorenzo Insigne moving to Toronto FC before I move on? Uh, no, I, I think we've covered it. It's huge, uh, but it doesn't make Toronto automatic contenders. 
All right. In that case, let's move on to the FA Cup third round review. We had some crazy, crazy games here to go over. So, Jack, why don't you walk us through some of the crazy games that happened this past weekend in the FA Cup third round? Yeah, well, let's start with the with honestly my pick for game of the round, which is Barnsley versus Barrow. And when you're looking at these two teams, you're like, why? Why in on God's green earth would this be? Uh, you know, a, a game of the round. It's one of the worst teams in the championship this season against a mediocre team in League Two. Actually, one of the worst teams in League Two, for that matter. So why why is this such a good game? And that's because it ended five to four after an insane back to four, back and forth game. So Barnsley kicked off the scoring. Uh, Mads Jewel Anderson kicked it off in the 23rd minute and Barrow gets an, a pretty early red card. They're going to play the majority of this match with 10. Uh, Tom Beadling gets a straight red card in the 38th minute. Definitely not good for Barrow. Uh, and to make matters worse, before halftime, Barnsley get a second goal. Jordan Williams scores on the 42nd minute. At this point, you're thinking, all right, this game's over for Barrow. Uh, might as well just try and mitigate damage, park the bus. But Barrow says, no, we're, we're, we're going for this. And yeah. they score two goals in reply to make it two to two. Uh, Oliver Banks gets one in the 61st minute and Anthony Driscoll Glennon gets one in the second uh, 78th minute uh, to make it 2-2. Five minutes later, Devontae Cole for Barnsley scores the third for them. And James Jones responds three minutes later with an in the 86th minute with a goal to even it again. And then in the 88th minute, you're, uh, Carlton Morris for Barnsley scores. And you're thinking, surely it's over. Barrow have nothing left. Josh K comes up. In the 91st minute and scores to equalize it and send it to extra time. So that, you know, that that's just crazy. And then Carlton Morris is the hero for Barnsley as he scores in the 102nd minute to make it five to four for Barnsley. Wow. Uh, you know, not much has gone well for Barnsley this season, like at <laughs> at all uh, in, in the championship. They are in 23rd. They're only they're only three points ahead of Darby County, who have had an 18 point deduction applied. Jeez. So uh, they've only won two games this entire season. Do you want to know what else was a great game, though, for an entirely different reason? What? Kidderminster Harriers from the sixth tier taking on another championship struggler in Reading. And you'd think, okay, it doesn't matter how bad a team is struggling in the championship. They're going to beat a sixth tier team. Yeah. Kidderminster right. are 79 spots below them exactly. in terms of like yeah. rankings. Easy, 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 easy. easy. And easy. in fact, Reading scores first. They score right Good. before halftime. Yeah. Real gut punch to Kidderminster. George Puskas, a Romanian player, you know, uh, he he scores in the 45th minute. And you and, you know, not not many people are like, all right, Kidderminster Harriers definitely going to come back from this because they didn't look. They, I mean, they looked threatening enough, but not that threatening. But then in the second half, they just flipped a switch. Sam Austin scores in the 69th minute, 25-year-old attacking midfielder. Foot Mob doesn't even have a picture for him. He doesn't need it because he's that good. Uh, and uh, it, and from that moment on, Kidderminster Harriers kind of dominate Reading. They're, they're getting chances way more than Reading's getting. At the end of the game as well, uh, they have more shots both just in general and on target double. In fact, what they have, what Reading had throughout this wow. entire game. But in the 82nd minute, Amari Morgan Smith scores uh, 
pretty nice sweeping goal. Pretty a pretty good move. Uh, actually, never mind. I'm thinking of the wrong goal. It was a scrappy goal that uh, that uh, barely goes over the line. Uh, there was a question of a foul. I, I do think that, uh, you know, Redding gets a little hard done here by the lack of VAR. I, I think there's a possibility that goal would have been called back for a foul. But for the narrative, it's so much better that Kidderminster Harriers wins this one. Uh, you know, really, really good win for them. And AJ, uh, West Ham get to go to Kidderminster Harriers in the yeah. in the fourth round. So that yeah. that should be an interesting game. You know, they took care of Reading. West Ham might be a little bit above Reading in terms of in terms of levels. You'd but, hope so. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's going to be an interesting one for sure. And AJ, did you want to talk about uh, about a team that you know I I, I don't mind seeing struggle uh, get uh, a little bit of a blow dealt to them. Yeah, well, this is going to be uh, Newcastle United versus Cambridge United. Cambridge United, of course, being in uh, League One. And this was this was, this was quite the game, to, to say the least. Not in terms of excitement, because obviously, like, a 1-0 win can't be that exciting. But this is coming off the heels of, obviously, Newcastle United being taken over by a Saudi-led consortium. And this <laughs> this game is kind of representative of Newcastle United's struggles this entire season. Couldn't get an attack going, uh, e even playing down to the level of opposition, despite, you know, obviously having more talent than them, even for a second team. But Cambridge United, fun fact, have now beaten the same amount of Premier League teams as Newcastle have. Nice. <laughs> yes, very, very, very embarrassing for Newcastle. Uh, but gr a great win for Cambridge United. They obviously uh, deserve to win. And another fun fact about Cambridge United, 36-year-old uh, Mark Bonner, their manager, was given the Cambridge United take caretaker's job with the club 18th in League 2. He's now since guided his boyhood club to safety, won promotion to League 1, and has now beaten Newcastle United at St. James's Park in the FA Cup. Uh, how it happened was, you know, a 56th a Joe Ironside goal. First of all, great name, Joe Fantastic Ironside. Name. Yeah, fantastic name. Uh, and through that, just Newcastle United just couldn't create anything. They had a good amount of attacking talent on the field. They had Jolinton, Saint uh, Maximin. Uh, <laughs> Jolinton. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you just said attacking uh, talent, and I, I'm yeah. not sure if I associate Jolinton with that. Yeah. And now that I'm looking at it, it looks like did Trippier actually play this? Yeah, match? this was his first game. That's that's bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not great. Uh, Jack, do you have anything else to say about Newcastle United? I'm sure you'd love to dunk on them some more. Yeah, I, I do want to I do want to say one thing. You said Newcastle couldn't quite get an attack going. They had nine shots on target, but uh, Cambridge's goalkeeper, Dimitar Mitov from Bulgaria, went insane in this game. Like uh -huh. uh, he he saved. A shot like that, like pretty much two feet away from the goal in the last minute of the game to to keep this one uh, as a win for Cambridge. He he was incredible. Nine saves in the game. Uh, really good performance from him. Uh, I I still think it's hilarious that this was Trippier Trippier's first game yeah. for Newcastle. Uh, you know. Good, good players can only fix a bad defense so much. Right, exactly. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I'll say about that. Not a great uh, FA Cup debut for, for them this season. Not at all. <laughs> An even worse one for 
Arsenal, Jack, if you want to talk about uh, the, the team on your jersey beating Arsenal. Yeah, uh, Nottingham Forest. Uh, fun fact about them. They they took uh, Arsenal out of the FA Cup in 2018 as well. Uh, wow. So this is not their first time beating Arsenal in the FA Cup. Uh, Arsenal, pretty bad performance from them. Pretty bad performance. Uh, how bad? Zero shots on target bad. Uh, That's great. Wow. Yeah, they had <laughs> not a single shot on target. Uh, Nottingham Forest had three. Some really good attempts. Burned Leno made some fantastic saves, honestly, throughout this. Good save from a free kick. He had a, a, a great reflex save to, uh, to a sweeping move as well earlier in the game. But a different sweeping move was the downfall. It was about the, it was in the 82nd minute, you know, Nottingham Forest get a, bre- uh, a break down the, the right-hand side from the standout player of this game. Honestly, wouldn't be surprised if he gets a move to a Premier League club just because of this game. Jed Spence, 21-year-old uh, England, English right midfielder, was absolutely fantastic this game. He, he was class this entire game. Uh, get, gets a ball down the side. There's a little bit of controversy as it looks like maybe it hits a hand. No VAR, though, so uh, it, okay, it continues yeah. on. And they cross it in, and at the, at the end of this, you know, uh, Lewis Graben scores the goal for Nottingham Forest, a substitute came on for them uh th- this was a really solid performance by Nottingham Forest and it shows how far they've advanced this season the beginning of the season uh it looked like they were relegation candidates they were really poor they weren't playing well but all of a sudden uh they they just really they've they've been on a roll lately Arsenal this team was more than capable of winning this game it, it should have been I mean their front three Three out of those, or front four, three of the four are players that regularly play for them. Hmm. Because you've got Martinelli, Odegaard, and Saka. The only one that doesn't normally play for them is Nketiah. They, they had Tierney, Ben White, uh, both on. Lacongo was in. Uh, they did give a de- debut to Charlie Patino. Played yeah. pretty well. Uh, didn't, mm-hmm. didn't do too much wrong. Pretty neutral performance, honestly. But this team was more than capable of beating Nottingham Forest. They, they played down to the level. They, they really did. And uh, now they're out of the FA Cup. And if they get knocked out of the EFL Cup, too, uh, by Liverpool, they, 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 I guess they can just focus on getting top four this season, maybe. But yeah, even well, then, that's not assured because exactly their midfield cover is awful now that they have a ton of players at AFCON. Very interesting stuff. I thought it was a great game from Nottingham Forest. Uh, also, just funny to see Arsenal lose sometimes. Yeah, it usually is. Yeah. And so, so, so Arsenal are now out, even though they are the 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 record holders for most FA Cups yep. won in in the first uh, the first time of asking too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So th- this is you know embarrassing exit for Arsenal, but we have a, a very exciting fourth round that's just been drawn uh, to go over. Uh, Jack, uh, let's let's highlight some of the fixers that we're excited for. Uh, I'll start off with with probably my favorite pick, which involves my team, so I guess it's kind of biased. But West Ham United going to Agboro, uh, Kidderminster Harriers home ground, uh, pretty exciting there. And it, fun fact: not only are the Harriers the l- lowest uh, ranked team in this fourth round, coming from the sixth tier, uh, but they're also they've also hosted West Ham before. 
which is something I wasn't really expecting, considering that they're so non-league down there. Uh, but apparently back in 1994, West Ham United went to uh, Agüero for a, a tie, and we've only won it 1-0 back then. So maybe <laughs> this will be another uh, tight, tightly, tightly won draw. Uh, Jack, do you have any thoughts on that or thoughts on any other fixture? Uh, well, Chelsea versus Plymouth, I'm excited for, obviously. Yeah, of course. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a, a lower league difference than uh, than uh, West Ham versus Kidderminster Harriers, but still excited for it. Plymouth are a decent team, uh, yeah. doing pretty well in League One this season, so I'm excited to see what they've got. Uh, I'm also I'm also kind of excited for Liverpool versus. Uh, actually, no, I was going to say Liverpool versus Cardiff. I remembered that Harry Wilson, who was at Liverpool, now plays for Fulham uh, instead of Cardiff. He was on loan at Cardiff last season. I'm going to change that uh, and say Tottenham versus Brighton. I'm actually kind of interested to see yeah. because Tottenham didn't play that well this time around. Neither did Brighton. But uh, these, these two teams, they, they've had uh, some interesting uh, games in the in in the past. You know, Brighton won one zero uh, last season. That was kind of the beginning of the end of Tottenham season in mm-hmm. January, for that matter. Uh, but. It, 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 I think that's going to be the most interesting of the Premier League versus Premier League draws that we've gotten. Uh, I, I don't see too many other of, of those like Wolves versus Norwich. Cool. Right. I, I'm not I'm not overly hyped up about that one, but Everton versus Brentford could be entertaining as well. For sure. But uh, I, I think the main one is really Brighton versus Tottenham. That That could be exciting. Selfishly, from a U.S. men's national team perspective, I actually now that I'm thinking about it, I, I don't know if this cuts into the the international break for uh, the international teams. I think it actually will. So I was going to say Manchester City versus Fulham uh, because we'll have Zach Steffen versus uh, Robinson and Tim Ream. But now that I'm almost yeah, like like the, the last game will be on February second. Maybe they'll be able to come back in time for this game. Maybe not. Uh, but if they do, that would be a pretty interesting tie, to say the least. Uh, so that was the FA Cup third round and fourth round uh, preview. Let's talk about, Jack, some stats in our normal uh, break segment, which is stat padding. Jack, what is the theme of today's trivia questions? Yeah, well, uh, it goes off of what we just talked about. So maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll remember a little bit of this, but it's called the magic of the FA Cup because okay. or it, it's all stats from round three this past round of the FA Cup. Obviously, this isn't going to include anything involving Manchester United versus Aston Villa as that has not happened yet for us. So okay. from the first, uh, however many games, it was 31 games, I believe, of the FA Cup third round. So that, that's, that's what we're talking about in terms of stats. AJ, are you ready? Yes. Uh, right. listeners, hopefully you're ready too. maybe you'll, you'll be able to beat my score. Yeah. So let's start with the first one. This one, I think, is pretty easy. Uh, what was the biggest gap in terms of league position between any two teams that played in the third round of the FA Cup? Uh, that's easy. That would be uh, 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 the Harriers and Reading FC. That's actually incorrect. That's that. That's not it. That that one is, I, I believe, 86 places. There's one that's 92 places. places. Oh, okay. Oh, so now I'm thinking about it. Because the Harriers won, uh, that's why that stat uh, sticks out in my head. So I'm guessing what you're referring to is a team 
that's weighed down in the non-league uh, positions that lost their game. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Okay. That, that is correct. And who would that be? That would be Chelsea versus Chesterfield. Chelsea ah. are second in the Premier League and Chesterfield are second in the National League. So exactly at 92 places in ah. between them. Uh, and there is a bonus point, a redemption point for you here. Okay, okay, I'll uh, take What that. was the closest matchup in terms of league position? Oh, man, how am I supposed to get that? Uh, 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 I'm going to say maybe Leicester City versus Watford. That is it, yeah. Seven really? places no between way. them, yeah. The, se- okay. uh, the second one that was very close, Huddersfield versus Burnley, was eight okay. places between them. So yeah. pretty, pretty close be- between those two, but... West, so you redeemed yourself on on question one. Okay, there thank you God. go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, what team scored the latest goal, including extra time games? So, what team scored the latest goal in any game? Uh, this doesn't include penalties, by the way. So, like, no last, like the final penalty in a penalty shootout that doesn't count. Actual goals in like t- in the actual time before a penalty shootout. Okay. Hmm. Uh, do I get it? Is it multiple choice or should I just uh, blast one out here? I, I can tell you all of the games that went to extra time if that if that would help. Okay, sure. Would, would, would that help there? Uh, so. Yes. All right. So the games that went to extra time, we've got Cardiff versus Preston went to extra time. Swansea versus Southampton. Hull versus Everton. Okay. Uh, Plymouth versus Birmingham went to extra time. QPR versus Rotherham. Went to extra time. Brighton versus West Brom. Extra time. Uh, and Barrow versus Barnsley went to extra time. Okay. I, I'm tempted to say one of Barnsley and Barrow because we talked about that. Did you mention uh, Preston North End or Cardiff in there? That is that is one of the options, yes. Okay. I'm going to go. I mean, I didn't watch this game. I'll go with Preston North End. No, it was Cardiff. You, you, had a, oh. you, were, you almost got there. You almost got there. Cardiff scored with Mark Harris in the 116th minute. Uh, So that Preston did not win that game, unfortunately for them. Uh, And unfortunately, you won't get the point from that one. So that's okay. This one, this one has choices. So this this one might be easier. Who is the oldest goal scorer in this round of the FA Cup? Now you've got choices. You've got Lewis Graben of Nottingham Forest. Okay. You've got Amari Morgan Smith of Kidderminster Harriers. You've got Shane Lawn of Southampton, Cameron Jerome of Luton Town, or Paul Coates of Bristol Rovers. Okay, so so all, all of these players have scored. Right? All of them have scored. Yes, there are no. Okay. There's no tricks like they're like ah oh, that player didn't score. No, and okay. uh, they're all within two years of each other. Oh my gosh. Okay, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna blast one off. I'll go with the fourth option, whatever that was. You guessed correctly. That that oh is my correct. Gosh. Cameron Jerome of Luton Town. That sounds uh, like an scored. old name. It, it kind of does. I'll give you that. He is thirty five years old. Uh, Shane right. Long is thirty four, and everyone else is thirty three on that list. Okay. So there you go. You you you've got two points out of four. So, or yeah, two points out of four. That's pretty good. Okay. Okay. So next one. What team had the lowest possession? And still went on to win their game. And I've got choices for this one as well. All right. You've got Borum Wood, okay. Southampton, Nottingham Forest, or Coventry. Ooh. Borum Wood is the, I think, the lowest ranked out of all of those. And this they, is they true. did win their game. 
So I'm going to go with Boromwood. You went with Boromwood? Yes. It's so close, but it's incorrect, unfortunately. Uh, they had 34% possession. Oh, come on. But Nottingham Forest had 33% possession. Oh, my gosh. So they, they, um, they were just slightly lower in possession rankings this, uh, this time around. Pretty close. Uh, I, I had a feeling you were going to say Southampton because they had a red card for uh, most of the match and went to extra time. But uh, they had 37% to my surprise, which is oh, higher wow. than I expected. All right. So there were a lot of goals scored in this round of the FA Cup. Okay, and considering yeah. all of the games, you'd think a lot of players would have scored more than one goal. But that honor only belongs to a few players. How many players scored more than one goal in this round of the FA Cup? Oh, my gosh. Uh, OK. And, you know, just doing some random math in my head. That's all BS. I'm going to go with four players that scored multiple goals in a game you're so close it's five uh, oh. on that oh i was gonna go with five I it, went you with were four. so close uh it's fabinho of liverpool he scored two you've okay. got carlton morris of barnsley uh he scored two and then daniel potence of wolves scored two and two players scored a hat tricks which are emiliano marcondes of bournemouth who was actually a teammate of the other player who scored a hat trick which is Brian Embuemo of Brentford. Right. So those are, those are the five. But there is a bonus question on this one. How many goals were scored in this round before, obviously, the final game to be played? And I'll give you, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you, uh, what's, what's a reasonable one? I'll, I'll, I'll say five on either side. Five on either side of it. 50. You're, you're way off the mark on that, I'm afraid. Okay. It is 105 goals oh, that were geez. scored. Almost more than double, actually, uh, than what you said there. So well, whatever, whatever. Definitely not your best performance in one of these. I think no. I think you got two. Uh, yep, two two out of seven of the of the okay. of the points. But we'll say two out of five because two of them are bonus points. So All right. there, there you go. Two out of five. It's it's not quite a passing grade, but it's it's better than two out of seven. Hey, after last semester, I'm kind of used to that kind of grade, huh? <laughs> the engineering <laughs> classes sometimes do that to you. Yes, yes. Well, Jack, let's talk about uh, some more exciting uh, stuff, not just engineering classes, not just FA Cup, but Syria. And when I when I wrote down this new story, I put it in quotes and I said, I want off of Syria's wild ride because it's it's been a crazy week. It's been a, like a very exciting season. If you're not watching Syria, then what are you doing? It's on ESPN. Nope, not ESPN Paramount Plus. Plus. It's on Paramount Plus now. <laughs> Uh, you know, a, a pretty, pretty fun times. So I thought we'd go over some of the games that happened this uh, this weekend, as well as going over the table. So just to go over the table real quick, uh, I can walk us through it. Very, very close uh, in a couple of places. First of all, the top two. Inter Milan currently lead AC Milan with a game in hand. Keep that in mind, but only one point ahead of them. Inter is at 49. AC Milan's at 48. They play each other February 6th, which could be quite literally a season-defining game for the both of them. Obviously, sharing stadiums, sharing a city, it's going to be a big game regardless. But when you have, potentially, the Italian championship on the line, that's going to be a huge, huge game. Definitely watch it. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, then you go down, and Napoli and Atlanta make up spots 3 and 4. 
only two points uh, apart, but Atalanta, and I think Jack will appreciate this, do have a game in hand. So it's very likely that Atalanta can leapfrog Napoli for that third place spot. Then we have, uh, then you have Juve who are in fifth place and they have three points uh, ahead of them in terms of catching up to Atalanta and six points below them, which is a cushion between them and Fiorentina. So they're pretty strongly in that Europa League spot, which I'm sure they don't want to be in, but uh, alas. And beyond that, for that last like European Conference Europa League spot, it's pretty, pretty tight. From Fiorentina all the way down to 10th place Empoli, it is only a four-point difference. So there are a lot of teams still in play here that could potentially make their way to that last uh, Europe spot. We have Fiorentina, Roma, Lazio, Sassuolo, uh, Empoli, uh, even uh, Bologna is it has two games in hand to a lot of these teams, yet they're 27 points, so only one point again, uh, be- below Empoli in 10th place. Like This is going to be a huge, huge race on the top uh, and in that mid-table section. So Syria only halfway through. Definitely watch it. Speaking of watching, Jack, we watched a good amount of Serie A today. You especially, because you watched uh, an, some additional games compared to me, particularly one that really benefited your team. Let's start with that one. Atalanta versus Udinese. Had a crazy s- scoreline there, Jack. Why don't you walk us through that one? Yeah, well, Atalanta are back with their usual style of if we score a ton of goals, it doesn't matter how many we concede. And they, them. they they scored six in this one. It was six to two against Udinese. Udinese not had a good season this uh, yeah. uh, in Serie A. They are in 14th place. Uh, not great. They are at, on 20 points. Negative six goal differential. I took them down a, a little bit on this one. Uh, really great game from Atalanta. It, uh, you know, they were miss. They're missing a few key players. Juvan Zapata is about a week away from being back. And Robin Gosens is two weeks away from being back from an injury he suffered back in October in the in the Champions League. So uh, they're they're definitely going to want them back, but didn't really matter. It, and it looked like Atalanta were playing at full strength uh, against this team. Former Chelsea player Mario Pasalic gets on the score sheet first, seventeenth minute. Great strike from him. He he is a fantastic player. Every time I watch him play, it makes me wish that Chelsea kept him. If I'm being completely honest. Uh, he is such a talented player, always can create attacks, great at shooting, uh, really fantastic. And just five minutes later, Luis Muriel, who hasn't had as good of a season as he did last time around, he scores a goal, uh, really good goal again against his former side as well. He played for Udinese for about three years, scored 17 goals for them. Uh, but he scored twice today and uh, I'll talk about his second goal later, but, uh, Ruslan Malinovsky caps off this first half for Atalanta. With a goal himself, uh, all of Atalanta's front three score in the first half. Ruslan Malinovsky, the ball bounces to him at the edge of the area. And if there's one player you don't want at the edge of the area unmarked with his left boot, it's Ruslan Malinovsky. He slots that away beautifully, curls it around two defenders and the goalkeeper. Really fantastic. Uh, speaking of which, Udinese's goalkeeper, game to forget for him, really. Uh, he had one save in the entire game. And conceded yeah. six goals. Uh, definitely not going on a 36-year-old old Daniel Padelli's highlight reel. Uh, but 
it, it, you know, he he'll he'll he's gonna forget this one. Hopefully, he he is their reserve goalkeeper. This to is give true. Him some this is credit. true. But uh, you know, one save is still bad. Whether you're a reserve goalkeeper or not, I, I understand. Yep. That. I understand that. Yeah, uh, actually, Atalanta's goalkeeper, by the way, Juan Musso, Udinese's former goalkeeper from last season, who they oh, wow. uh, who they uh, tri- <laughs> got uh, got from them last time around. Uh, but this this game was not done because, uh, you know, Barachim City actually scores an own goal in the 59th minute. And you're, nice. you know, I was thinking, Atalanta, don't you dare choke away another game against Udinese. You did it earlier this season. Uh, huh. Don't do it again. But they definitely did not because they respond. Uh, they respond 15 minutes later. Luis Muriel gets another one to stem the tide uh, that Udinese are riding on. And uh, Beto, not O'Rourke. Uh, a different Beto. Uh, he he scores in the 80th minute. Terrible joke. Um, I apologize. Uh, but then right away, one minute later, Atalanta responded. Are like, you know what? We we like we like the scoreline right now. We like the the plus three goal differential. And Joaquin Mila was fantastic at the Euros with Denmark. He gets his first ever Serie A goal after two seasons with Atalanta. So great for him. Uh, really good goal as well. Uh, Really, really fantastic stuff for him. Uh, but Atalanta still weren't done. Uh, and Matteo Piscina scores in the 92nd minute, literally the last kick of the game. He scores his first goal of the Serie A season. Great for him to get off the mark. He is a really good talent for Italy. Uh, so it's great to see him on there. Yeah. And Atalanta now in prime position to really consolidate their spot in the top four. Probably not, you know challenge for a title but definitely oh, maybe, one maybe they still could potentially they they uh i'm keeping, my hope. I'm keeping my hope i'm keeping okay all right but but definitely obviously one of the best teams in italy and i wouldn't be surprised if they end up finishing in the top three as the third best team in syria so you know good for good for atalanta hopefully uh hopefully they have a a, a good but not great european run let's just uh say that <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Jack. Probably one of the most exciting games that I've seen in 2022 so far, which is Roma versus Juve, finishing three to four. And I thought we'd go through it as we close this episode out, starting with the first goal, which just so happens to be who you deem to be the the best English striker right now. Jack. That would be Tammy Abraham. Definitely needs yes, to be will. called up for the World Cup squad this time. Uh, great. He, he, he has the most goals of any English striker in the world, uh, in any, or in any top five league, my, my apologies, but (laughs) still pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a a, a Roma side that, that should be competing, uh, for, for a European spot should be at, at that level. And throughout the first half, they were, they were the better team. Yes. They were missing, uh, some players that were suspended or were on international duty. They had, uh, quite the game in the midweek where they got two players sent off, Mancini and Karsdorp. Uh, not great. Obviously, they have uh, some good players like Diawara uh, out due to international duty to AFCON. But yet, they were still performing. Dybala got uh, the equalizer in the 18th minute. And, but it still seemed like Roma were in control. And right after the second half, they struck quickly and effectively. Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan got the 48th minute goal to put them ahead, assisted by Lorenzo Pellegrini, who himself took one of the most beautiful goals that I've ever seen, uh, especially from a free kick from the angle from that, uh, 
you know, level up power. Beautiful goal in the 53rd minute to put them up three to one. And at this point, Jack, I'm I, I'm tweeting. I'm like, you know, Juve are so bad. Their midfield are bad. Like they're they don't deserve to be in the Champions League. They don't deserve to qualify the Champions League next season. And I, I was mad because I was like, Weston McKennie's on this team. Like they deserve better. This midfield that we have harped on season after season is still not good. Uh, they started what Bentancur, uh, Locatelli, and McKenney. Yep, yep. Bentancur especially was not having a good game. He gets subbed off, and suddenly things begin to change. Locatelli scores three to make it three to two. Uh, Kulusevski, who you should not have score against you if you're a competent team, manages to score against the, uh, Roma to equalize. It, there, there's some uh, of VAR uh, controversy because it might have been offside or what, but uh, he was onside. They get the equalizer, and I think by the time that this goal gets scored in the span of two minutes, I think Roma's mentality is just destroyed. They haven't, in this entire season, seasons past, I don't think they've really competed against big teams in big games, other than maybe Lazio some games, but definitely not against teams that are going to be challenging for the top four like Juve like Inter like AC Milan and you know with this mentality gone they let uh I believe I'm pro- I'm gonna pronounce this wrong but Mattia De Escilio Jack probably close enough De Celio, maybe De Celio? I, 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 I I don't know I I don't speak Italian personally or yeah I, I'm just French that's it yeah there, there you go <laughs> But he gets uh, the, the, the match winner here to make it 3-4. to four. And at this point, Juve are in control. Roma fans are mad. But all that can potentially change when uh, Mateus uh, Delete, Delict? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> can't believe, can't believe I, I messed up that one. That's not even Italian or anything. But he handles the ball in uh, the, the penalty area. He's already on a yellow card. Uh, dying of a goal scoring uh, opportunity maybe but most likely yellow cards due to just the handball offense he gets sent off to for a second yellow card and it's a penalty lorenzo pellegrini steps up he's got the assist he's got the goal steps up to try to score it and chesney saves it is it a good penalty kick maybe not is it a good save yeah except the fact that he has the ability to score the rebound and put completely like scuffs it and a, a little embarrassing probably should have done better here especially when he literally scored from further out just like 50 minutes ago and because of that Chesney's the, the 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 hero of the last 10 minutes preserves the three points and the win for Juve Jack what are your takeaways from this crazy roller coaster of emotions this game was I don't like when Juve win that that's my that's my first thought. Yeah. I, I don't like it. I, I, I know Weston McKenney plays for them, so I care a little bit about their success, but I also don't care about Juve in the slightest. And for that reason, you know, I, I, I like Roma as well, and I like Tammy Abraham, and I would have liked to see them do better in this game. But uh Pellegrini, come on. You if you can make that free kick, you can make a penalty kick. Right. It's so much easier. Like, I think the XG of his, of his uh, you know, what's the XG of a penalty, right? Like, it's it, about like 0.78 around around there. Yeah. The XG of that free kick was 0.03. Wow. And you can't. It's just ridiculous. Sometimes I I, I would have loved to this to end in a draw because I think 
both teams deserved to get something from this game uh, because Roma for, for most of this game were far and away the better team. But you know, that that's just not how it goes. Sometimes I will say, I believe this is Ainsley Maitland Niles uh, debut for Roma. He's on loan yeah. from Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's his debut. I could be wrong, but I mean, he, he uh, just moved pretty recently, so I'd say so. Yeah. I So uh, like, like with English right backs that uh, this weekend, not great debuts they, they've had. Uh, def, definitely just not uh, a good time to be an English right back joining a new club. Uh, that that's 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 my main thoughts. I, I think Roma should have done a lot better, but yeah that mentality that's what happens uh jose Mourinho washed question mark (laughs) yeah i I mean that that mentality wasn't great i think on both sides i I think it's embarrassing that juve gave up that many goals uh the three in the first half plus change and then roma to give up three goals in the span of just like seven or eight minutes that's it it doesn't matter like who's on the field who you're missing like that's that, that doesn't tell me that your team is bad that tells me that your tactics and your management aren't good enough because if you're a professional team uh playing at a similar level to your your opponents you should not be conceding three goals in a game Mourinho for all like the defensive uh stalwart accolades that he gets just has continuously like got this wrong not great from like a defensive standpoint good for like neutrals I enjoyed it I I I love (laughs) I love the goals but this should kind of, you know, raise some alarms for Roma, especially who had the chance to leapfrog Juve into that fifth place spot with a three points in this game. Obviously, did not capitalize on that. But also, it should obviously raise uh, alarms for Juve, who have been kind of struggling against teams that they have historically beaten. And I think what could solve this, and a lot of Juve fans are saying this, is obviously you want to improve your midfield, but. Once Bentoncourt came off and a certain uh, Arthur, Arthur uh, came on to replace him, they improved uh, in the midfield a lot more. Locatelli was able to uh, play better. McKenney, uh was kind of, you know, l- let go and he was all over the pitch. He was giving, getting clearances. He was doing what you would expect a ball winning midfielder to do. And so I've long harped on the fact that Bentoncourt is not a good enough midfielder for Juve. I'm not, I'm I'm not even a Juve fan. I just like McKenney. But (laughs) once you get to that spot where your midfield options are, you know, not great. Sure. Like, like drop Rabiot, drop Bentoncourt and play the midfielders, which, you know, aren't the best still. I don't think Artur or sometimes even McKenney are at that great level, but you got to play them together and, drop drop players when they're out of form and that's all i gotta say there jack unless you have something else to say about syria as a whole uh i mean actually i didn't realize this earlier juventus were without allegri this was their assistant coach who was managing this game oh yeah so i, Ro- I roma roma what are you doing bro what yeah doing? i mean jose Mourinho should have played brian reynolds should have played brian <laughs> reynolds <laughs> there you uh, go that, that's that that's it that's that's all that that's the main that's, take that's it yeah <laughs> All right, Jack, that brings us to the end of the episode. But before we I, we go, I want to get your your scoreline predictions. You don't really, really even need to uh, give me any uh, reason why you, you want to give a scoreline uh, for some of the big games that are happening this week. Starting off with the Supercoppa Italiana happening on January 12th 
this week. It's between Inter and Juve at the San Siro in Milan. Jack, who do you think is going to win that? And what's the scoreline there? Uh, Inter should win that. Are both of these teams going to going to uh, like rest players? Yeah, probably. But I think Inter's second team is better than Juventus's second second team. And also Juventus lost Chiesa to an injury in in that game uh, against Roma, uh, which is a big loss. Scoreline, I'd say like two to one, maybe, because I don't think either side are going to play that strong. So I think there's going to be opportunities for both sides to score. Uh, yeah. All right. I, I'll go. I'll go with, uh, one to zero because I think Inter are that good and Juve uh, are, are not necessarily. That's and I, I think especially at home when Inter have the momentum. How about the Spanish Super Cup, Jack? We have two sides of the bracket. So I'd like to hear uh, both of your uh, th- uh, thoughts on these two games, uh, both in Saudi Arabia. One wow. this first game. Yeah, <laughs> this first game. Uh, being an El Clasico match between Barcelona and Real Madrid. Uh, the second, the next day, which is uh, January 13th, Atletico Madrid versus Athletic Bilbao. Jack, first, El Clasico. Oof. Uh, w- first, w- what a stupid place to have an El Clasico. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> second, obviously these two teams are a little bit mismatched, so are you taking Barcelona or are you going with the favorites here? I'm not taking Barcelona, especially with their injury list. Uh, Eric Garcia is still out. Ferran Torres. Who knows if he's even going to get registered at this point? Uh, Who knows? We, we don't even know. Uh, Frankie de Jong's out. Martin Braithwaite's out. Uh, Pedri's still out. Ronald Ronald Araujo's out because of a hand injury he got against Granada. Uh, Sergio Roberto's out. It, it, like, one of their players is listed as out for stomach trouble. Like, seriously. Ah, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, come on, man. It, it doesn't look... Yeah, Real Madrid win it. Uh, we'll, we'll say, like, 3-1. to one. Three to one. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you again, but I'm going to go with uh, uh, two to one. OK, I'll, I'll say it's a little bit more conservative. Uh, how about the other side of the bracket, which would be Atletico Bilbao versus Atletico Madrid? Who's winning that one? A bit Ooh, close. Atletico Madrid haven't been doing too well recently. Uh, you know, they, they drew against Villarreal, lost to Sevilla, lost to Granada. Uh, Atlet- Athletic Club? have been doing decent drew against Deportivo Lavas almost held on for a win against Real Madrid beat Real Batiste uh, I I think it's going to be closer than the other one but I think I I, I have a feeling that Atletico Madrid are going to win this one well like maybe we'll just say two to zero I I, I don't know enough about about Athletic Bilbao to really make a good a good statement on their season <laughs> You went with two to zero. I was actually going two to zero as well, just uh, based on the fact that Athletic Club offensively have not been very good at all. Their goal difference is only three, and yes, they've been able to keep you know goals out at a pretty average rate of seventeen, but they haven't been able to put balls in the back of the net. They've only scored twenty goals, which is less than a goal a game for this season, which is not very good. Atletico Madrid, on the other hand, thirty three goals. Uh, throughout through their 20 uh, game season so far so much much better offensively so i think i'm gonna go with three to zero i think they'll shut shut them out and i think they'll just uh, uh have their way with them uh, jack okay. l- l- let's let's finish this off with the north london derby because i'm probably gonna have a poll about this and i'd like to hear what the listeners think but north london derby obviously tottenham versus arsenal 
can Arteta get the win or will Conte get the win here? Ooh, well, they both have a League Cup tie to navigate at the, exactly, at the midweek. Yeah. So it, it's going to be a question of what are they going to prioritize? Uh, Arsenal are missing some pretty important, um, important-ish players to AFCON. I mean, I mean still, like, plus some others. Yeah, uh, hey, no, depth is depth. It, true, true. Uh, plus, but Ta- Tottenham are missing Romero mm-hmm. uh, and Son. That's a big loss. I'm going to be boring and say that that's how it finishes. Neither of these teams look that good this weekend either. Uh, so one to one. All right. I, I, I'll disagree with you there. And I'll say that that Arsenal are going to lose and Spurs are going to win. Ooh. Arsenal. I mean, sure. Some of these players aren't very key, but depth is depth is depth is depth. Right. You're losing Shaka. You're losing Emil Smith Rowe and uh, Toma Tome Yasu due to COVID and that's injuries. Right. They're already missing Partey, Obama Yang, Pepe, and El Nenny to AFCON. Like, he did good, but Charlie Patino, 18-year-old, on their U23 team, had a, had a fill-in for midfield. Like, you know, imagine him going against Harry Kane and Son, right? Like, if you don't have the depth to compete, it, it doesn't matter who Spurs are going to be missing because it's, it's nothing compared to Arsenal. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a two to one win for uh, Tottenham there. All right, Jack, we'll those some predictions. Uh, listeners, if you want to try to see if you can uh, uh, do better than us in terms of predicting some of these big games coming up, definitely head to, head to where, Jack? Where should they head to? They should head to our Twitter at Final Third Show and our Instagram, also Final Third Show. Uh, we're posting on both of those, got some graphics. Uh, you can look on there because we're going to be tweeting a lot about AFCON. We've been tweeting a lot mm-hmm. about it recently uh, because it hasn't been getting enough coverage in, uh, you know, just U.S. soccer media in general. Yeah. Uh, or uh, honestly, soccer media in general. So, yeah, we're going to try and uh, keep up to date and keep everyone else up to date on AFCON on there. You're definitely going to want to follow, uh, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, that that's it. I don't know where, <laughs> what else I have to say. Follow, interact, uh, oh, have oh, fun. We, we do have we do have an Instagram. All right, I don't know if you. Uh, I did. That. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, I, I, was, I was too distracted about uh, uh, talking about Afcon because you're right. Uh, Afcon does not get mentioned enough to the point where we mention Afcon and we get a ton of interaction. So of course we're gonna keep on doing it. Uh, I'm planning to bring back my MLS in blank uh, updates. Uh, I, I did it for the Copa America and the European Championship last season basically talking about how all the mls players in that international tournament uh fared uh just just today the first day we had a uh, new who of seattle absolutely bossing up i joked about him being a key player for cameroon he might be he, he he's honestly their their best player on the pitch you know 14 duels won so definitely keep an eye out if you want to you know keep track of how mls is doing at the african cup of nations and also uh, go to our website, uh, finalthirdshow.com, if you want a, a single hub for all of our episodes. Definitely do that. Definitely tell a friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about Insigne going to Toronto FC. We'll see you guys this Thursday for a very, very special deep dive episode that you won't want to miss. And we'll see you guys same time, same place next week for our news and predictions episode. See ya. Bye for now.